And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen, which were just as they had been told. Thank you. I wonder what you think Christmas is really all about. We have a few children in our house. I think some of them believe Christmas is really all about getting presents and eating as much chocolate before lunchtime as they can. For many people, Christmas is a time for warm, homely, fuzzy feelings. It's a time to wrap up warm, put your feet up, have a cup of good cheer and think nice thoughts about the world. Perhaps for some of you, it's the time to wear a jumper that you wouldn't be seen dead in during the rest of the year. Some of you have come with that jumper on today. <laughs> now, it has become a sentimental season, and for many people, it has almost no connection to Jesus Christ. To avoid offence, some have tried to strip Christ out of Christmas altogether, and so we have cards that say, Happy Holidays. But what is Christmas really about at its heart? We can easily miss the point. We can sleepwalk through Christmas and emerge blinking in the new year, not sure what it was all really for. But that would be a big mistake. Because according to the Bible, what happened at the first Christmas was something that actually changed the world. It changed the world. And it can change our world too if we understand its message. Let me tell you a true story. It's about a man called Ronald Wayne. Can you put your hand up if you've heard of Ronald Wayne? No one's heard of him. Okay. Ronald Wayne was a businessman. He lived in America. He was invited by two young entrepreneurs to join their new computer business, which they were starting in someone's garage. The deal was that if that Ronald Wayne put in $800 to the business, he would own 10% of the company and he would have a say in how it was run. And these young guys said that they had a product that would change the world. And they were really persuasive. So Ronald Wayne put in his money and joined the company as the third partner. But after about 12 days, he got cold feet. He was put off by the risks. He couldn't see the potential. So he asked them for his money back. And the two young entrepreneurs sold him his shares back for $800. That was in 1976. The young guys were called Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. Their company was called Apple Computing. Ronald Wayne actually drew the first logo. And by 2018, Wayne's share would have been worth over $95 billion. 
billion. Imagine that you were given a life-changing opportunity, but you thought it was too good to be true, and so you missed out. Imagine. You were given a life-giving opportunity, some amazing news. You thought it was too good to be true, and so you missed out. And this is what Christmas is all about, actually. A life-changing opportunity is here. The arrival of Jesus Christ in our world changes everything. And for those who aren't put off by the risks, for those who can grasp the potential, it is the best news ever. Now we see this in the famous passage about the shepherds. Shalapi just read it for us. I'm just going to make two very brief points today. I want us to reflect on the shepherds' fear and reflect on the shepherds' joy. Fear and joy. Firstly, the shepherds' fear. Why do I say fear? Here's what, here's what the text says. Here are these shepherds. They're camping out in the fields. They would live out there with their sheep uh, as they did, protecting them feeding them, minding their own business. And then suddenly an angel of God appears to them and the glory of the Lord, it says, shone around them. Glory is the brightness and the overwhelming weightiness of the presence of God. And what is their reaction? Do you know, the Bible says they were absolutely terrified. Verse 9 of this passage uses the most intense language to describe the reaction of these shepherds to God's glory. It literally says, they feared a great fear. They feared a great fear. In fact, it uses a Greek word that you all know. You probably didn't know it was Greek. It's the word mega. It literally says, they feared a mega fear. They're absolutely scared out of their wits. Have you ever been really scared? Some years ago, many years ago, in fact, before I knew her, the woman who is now my wife broke up with her boyfriend, thankfully. She decided to do two things. She was going to get a new haircut and jump out of an aeroplane with a parachute. <laughs> now, three other people were on this trip. They all went through the training on the, on, at the parachute center. And these other three were big, self-confident men. And on the ground, they were full of swagger and boasting about how much fun it was on the ground. But then the plane went up, and all four of them are sitting there with their parachutes on. And eventually they get to the right altitudes, many thousands of feet above the earth. And the instructor opened the door of the plane, and they looked out. And now they saw what was really there. And the instructor said, who's going first? <laughs> all of them were full of a great fear. But my wife was the one that jumped out. I think they're supposed to shout 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. She shouted something else. I don't know what it was. <laughs> Scared, out of their wits. Now, this is the same, by the way, in all the other famous Christmas passages, any of those stories you've heard. Uh, when God comes into our world, people don't react with warm, cozy, sentimental feelings. Because God, it turns out, is not like a puppy. When an angel appeared to an unmarried teenage, teenager called Mary, he told her she would fall pregnant without the involvement of a man, the only time in history this has happened, without being married. Now, in conservative Jewish culture of the first century, this is social suicide, absolute disgrace. There is nothing sentimental about it. How did Mary feel about the news? Scared. 
What about the Magi, the wise men? Remember them? They, these were guys, probably Persian, probably from what we think of as, as Iran. They scanned the night sky for signs and omens, and they saw some strange astral movements, so significant that they went on a long journey, probably months, to see whose birth it announced. And when they arrived in Jerusalem, the capital, everyone was alarmed. A great disturbance. King Herod was paranoid, viewed the baby's birth as a threat to his power base. So he sent people to kill all the children in Bethlehem and the surrounding area, aged two or under. You see, when God comes into our world, people don't feel warm and cozy and sentimental. They feel threatened. They react with violence. And when God comes into your life, there may be fear. There may be disturbance. There may be great upheaval. So we have these shepherds keeping watch over their flocks. They're quite happy, actually, in the dark, just getting on with life, business as usual. And suddenly his angel appears with a message that will change their lives forever. Now, we may think of angels as cute, quaint, Pieces of fiction like elves and talking reindeer. But the word angel in the Bible also means messenger. They are messengers. And the Bible talks about angels as spiritual beings who bring a message from another realm. They come from the presence of God and bring a message to earth. They're God's ambassadors, you might say. And so they, even they, are awe-inspiring. And the shepherds were terrified. Huh. You know, you and I are just like those shepherds. We're quite happy in our own way, just getting on with life without interference from God. Thank you very much. But when God shows up in our lives, we are afraid. When God's truth shines into your life, into some of the dark corners, you, you get scared too. Scared of being exposed. Maybe scared of being embarrassed. Scared of being wrong. If I've been wrong all these years, wow. Scared, perhaps, of losing control. Scared of shame. When God shows up in your life, you fear. Blaise Pascal was a brilliant French philosopher and mathematician. Lived in the first half of the 17th century. He was an atheist. But Pascal converted to Christianity in adult life. And he wrote these, these words. Men despise religion. Men despise religion. They hate it and are afraid it may be true. Is that you? You hate it, but you're afraid it may be true. Well, what are you afraid of today? Are you afraid of what it might mean if you became a Christian, one of those super keen ones? Have you ever thought about it? Are you afraid of what might happen if Jesus Christ really took hold of the steering wheel of your life? What might happen? Rosaria Champagne Butterfield was a professor of English at a major American university. Jesus Christ arrived in her life, gradually, and she writes these words. Although grateful, I did not perceive conversion to be a blessing. It was a train wreck. When I became a Christian, I had to change everything. My life, my friends, my writing, my teaching, my advising, my clothes, my speech, my thoughts. Conversion put me in a complicated and comprehensive chaos. 
Often people ask me to describe the lessons I learned from this experience. I can't. It was too traumatic. Sometimes in crisis, we really don't learn lessons. Sometimes the result is simpler and more profound. Sometimes our character is transformed. Now, you know, we're all like those shepherds. We're like Rosaria. We're quite comfortable living in the dark. When the glory of God shines and shows up, we fear. The light of God's truth exposes who we really are, what we've been trying not to be all these years. We don't like it, but we can't escape it. And maybe you're in that position today. And if so, I am so glad you are here. Because the angel says some of the most beautiful words that the world has ever heard. He said them to those shepherds and he says them to you. You ready for them? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And so the second point is this, the shepherd's joy. We move from fear to joy. Although they feared a great fear, they became full of joy. So full of joy that they ran down the hill to Bethlehem to see what was happening. And they found it to be true. And then they, they ran and just told everyone that they could see about this thing they'd found. And they returned eventually back to their flocks. Full of joy. Happy. Delighted. Now why were these guys so joyful? The answer is they heard a news report, a news report that we call the gospel. Here it is. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And this is the good news, verse 11. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So here's the good news. It has two parts. Jesus, the little baby, is the saviour. And he's the Lord. Saviour. A saviour means a rescuer. Somebody who comes into a hopeless situation and redeems it and turns it around and everyone's delighted. Now Jesus, as we read his story in his official biographies in the Bible, Jesus saved and rescued people all the time. He was powerful to heal sicknesses. He was able to feed people. He was able to restore life. He, he was able to deliver from oppression. But Jesus constantly said that his greatest way of saving was none of those things, but his death. It was a claim that very few people understood. But Jesus meant this. At the cross, at his death, Jesus was dying for his enemies. He was dying for you and me. Because we're what the Bible calls sinners. People like us. And he died so that we might receive a pardon, a free pardon from God. And a forgiveness for every wrong thing that we've ever done, or thought, or said. A free pardon. He is the saviour. Come to rescue us from ourselves and from the consequences of our sin. That's how he makes peace with God. That's the first part of the good news. He's the saviour. But the second part is he's the Lord. That means king. The ruler, he comes to bring our disordered lives under new management. He comes to restore his rightful claim on our loyalty. He comes to put things right. And one day, the Bible says, he will return to judge the whole earth in impartial justice. He will set things straight. Now, what this means is that when a person, a man, a woman, boy or girl, asks Jesus for forgiveness and submit to him as Lord, they begin to change. They begin to become the best version of themselves. I wonder if you've seen that. Do you know a Christian 
friend or colleague or neighbor? Have you noticed anything different about them? Have you noticed how they change over time? Do you know how it works? It's because they've come under the lordship of Jesus, under new management. This savior and lord doesn't make you less of a person. He makes you more who you were meant to be. In 1531, a scholar and translator called William Tyndale wrote this definition of the good news. That which we call the gospel is a Greek word and it signifies good, merry, glad and joyful tidings that make a person's heart glad and make us sing, dance and leap for joy. Good tidings, glad tidings. Christians believe this good news, this gospel, that the single most important person in the universe loves and accepts you even though he knows you because of Jesus. Without conditions, Jesus Christ came into our world for you. He bore your sins and took your shame on the cross and he rose from death, defeating it forever. Yes, there's fear, rightly, but there is great, great glad joy. And that's why the angels sang, peace on earth, peace between us and our creator. That's the heart of Christmas. So what happens next? About a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, two women came into this church meeting, a carol service, and uh, they were atheists. They'd been atheists for some years. They were convinced, intelligent people who concluded there was no God. And yet something had started happening in their lives. There'd been some difficulty, some trouble, and they'd reached out, and one day they thought, well, we might as well try it. We'll pray. So they prayed, and things changed, and they began a journey. They started seeking. And they came into to this very carol service a year ago, and they started to meet God, and they found, they discovered Jesus. And I asked them if they could, I could tell you that story this morning. And they said, of course you can, because this year has been such a great blessing to us. Their lives have changed for good. I wonder if that could be you. So let me give you an invitation. On the back of your service sheet is a little feedback form. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this service. But in the middle, there's a, a question or a statement. I'd like to find out more about attending a course introducing Christianity or joining a midweek home group or regular Sunday church services. If you're brave enough to tick one of those boxes, we would love to hear from you and welcome you to find out more and to go on this journey which the shepherds went on to find the one who brought peace on earth. Let me just pray and then we'll sing our last carol. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, you came into our world in the most humble way. Uh, you uh, uh, became one of us, you became even a baby and not a famous baby born in a palace, uh, but born in, a, in humility and obscurity in a stable. You did all of this and all your life was spent for us. And so we pray today, accept our worship, our thanks, and draw some more of us here today to know you. Because to know you is to have life eternal. Amen. Thank you.
nature sing and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature sing joy to the earth the savior reigns the free the souls employ while fields and streams cross hills and plains repeat the sounding joy repeat the sounding joy repeat repeat the sounding joy no more let sins and sorrows grow or thorns infest the ground he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found far as the curse is found far as far as the curse is found. he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders wonders of his joy to the world the lord has come fantastic please do sit again for the last time and just before we close let me mention four quick things if you'd like to connect to grace church we have this thing called the Connect Area. You can see the banner over here. Uh, just come down there. A few of us will be there. We'd love to meet you, get to know you. There are some free books and resources to learn more about Christmas and the Christian faith, which are on that table. So have a look and help yourselves. Now, this year, we are collecting donations, for financial donations, for the Compassion Food Bank in Moss Side. Uh, the Compassion Food Bank feeds some of the poorest people in the city, and 100% of what is given in that gold post box will go directly to Compassion Food Bank. Uh, Chris and Maureen, some members of the church, are actually going to arrange hampers uh, to give to people. So please be generous in this season, and uh, let's uh, bless those people who use the food bank. We'd love to know what you thought of the carol service, as I mentioned. Do take a moment to fill in that form, and then pop that in the gold post box as well. And finally, the next two weeks we are not meeting here. So please note, the school is closed for two weeks. Grace Church will be meeting at Wally Range Methodist Church at half past three in the afternoon. So the next two weeks, Wally Range Methodist at 3.30. We're on tour. So let me uh, w close with, these, uh, with wishing you a very, very happy Christmas and a great new year. Thank you.